Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to our new series, uh, Good News for Bad Times. And if ever we needed good news, it's now, isn't it? Uh, none of us are where we had expected to be, hoped to be, or even conceived we would be a few months ago. And certainly the last year hasn't turned out as any of us would have expected, has it? You know, for, for Cheryl and I, we, we've kind of just gone through a very difficult two or three months uh, with all sorts of things happening. And the reality is, you know, while people say, well, we're all in the same boat, uh, the truth is, yes, we're all in the same boat. We're all going through this lockdown. We're all going through all the other things that are going on in the world and, and around us. But we all have our own specific circumstances as well, don't we? You know, there's, there's things that affect Cheryl and I. And sometimes you think, well, man, how did that happen? Or just not another thing, not another. And, and you know, these things keep coming. And, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about that in, in, a, in a previous series uh, about how uh, the enemy uses like this pile-up technique to try and get on top of us. He doesn't just throw one thing at once, he throws a lot of things. And uh, he throws general things and he throws specific things. And of course, we, we live in this world that is, is a world of darkness. Uh, and we're called to bring light to this world. We're called to bring good news to this world. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to be looking at this morning in the first of this series about uh, where we are in this world and how we relate to this world. You know, I'm sure for, for many of you, many of our, our, our precious Faith Life family and all, everybody else who's listening to uh, the, these online meetings, uh, our daily videos and so on. I'm sure for you, you know, things have been difficult. Things have been difficult this year. There's been some good things. There's been things you can celebrate, but there's also been pretty uh, tough moments that you, you've had to deal with. And, and around us, we are surrounded by a world and a culture that isn't the way we would want it to be as believers, that, that has characteristics that, that make things difficult for us. And it's in that respect that, that Peter wrote this letter uh, to a group of churches. Uh, so just get your Bibles ready, open right at the beginning, 1 Peter, and we're going to go to verse 1. But before you know, we start reading the verse, I want to just make some kind of preliminary comments uh, about what, we, what we're looking here. You see, this letter that we're going to be studying for the next few weeks, it was written by the Apostle Peter... And it was written to um, basically reassure and to refocuses, uh, refocus the churches in Asia Minor that where difficult times had come upon them. And Peter wrote this letter to these churches which he planted and which he loved very much in order to show them where to put their hope. Because you can put your hope in all kinds of things. You can put your hope in the government. You can put your hope in the economy. You can put the hope, your hope in your boss. You can put your hope in people who are your friends. You can put your hope in all sorts of places. And Peter wanted to really write this letter to show those churches and these people that he cared for deeply um, where to put their hope when things turn bad. Where, where is the good news that you pin your hope on in the bad times and what he does is he grounds that hope he grounds that hope in the reality of what God has done for us already through Christ 
Um, how can I put that? And what he's trying to help us to understand, because this, this, this letter we're going to be studying uh, works for us just as much today as it did for them. And what, what he's trying to help us with is what does our hope in Christ, what does the, the reality of who we are in Christ, what difference does it make in practical terms when bad times come? And that's the challenge for all of us, isn't it? What difference does it make in practical terms in our life when bad times come in the life of a believer? And what Peter's doing here, he's writing to churches that he was directly involved with. So when, you, when we get to the, the first couple of verses, you'll see a list of places, a list of places that the believers came from. And he's writing to these churches. And what you'll see is that they're a very different set of uh, people, very different set of uh, groupings than those that Paul used to write to. And uh, these, that, the reason for that is that these are churches that the Apostle Peter had planted and they're in an area, uh, I guess we would regard it roughly as the area covered by Turkey uh, in, in modern day uh, geography. And he's writing to these churches and the way he writes to them is basically he explains to them how this works in his own life. And as he's writing this, he's, he's imprisoned uh, and he's, he's under guard in Rome. And uh, whilst Paul had previously been there, uh, Paul had been released, uh, he, he'd gone off on, a, on, an, on another journey and Peter was there in Rome on his own and he's writing this letter and he's explaining to them how these things work in his life. He's a witness to what it practically means to live by faith and live by the hope that he describes. So what what I get from that, what I understand from that really, and, and why this, this um, study in this has affected me quite deeply in the times that we're facing, what I get from that is that the gospel works in good times and it also works in bad times. The gospel works irrespective of the times we live in. And, uh, you know, that's, that's good, isn't it? Because as Christians, we're not exempt from bad times. We, we live in a fallen world that is full of evil. The, the, the culture is increasingly dark around us. The, the polarisation between different groups of people seems to be increasing almost on a daily basis. And we live in this culture, we live in this fallen world, a world where, where sin is still rampant and, and still infiltrating so much of the way we think and the way we behave and the way we react. And, to, you know, we put that together, we put that together with a, with a sick and dying planet, a, a place where there's disease, where there's sickness, where there's pain, where there's suffering, and a world where there's evil people, people who do things wrong. And, and not only that, but there's ourselves, and we do some pretty stupid things at, at various times. So you, you throw all that in, and it's no surprise when as Christians we find ourselves in difficult times or bad times. And, and what Peter's saying is that Christians are not exempt from bad times. 
Instead, Christians need to understand how we handle bad times, how we come through bad times, how we overcome bad times, how we get through the difficult days to the good days ahead. And that's why he gives us this good news for bad times. You know, the truth is that we are able to overcome bad times because of the reality of Christ in our lives and because of the hope that we have. The reality of Christ in our lives and the hope that we have. So let me tell you a little bit about this letter. Uh, when was it written? Where was it written? Well, it was written, as you probably guessed already from what I said, towards the end of Peter's life. And he's exiled in Rome. He's, his martyrdom is not too far in the, in the future. And, uh, you know, it, ultimately, Peter gave his life for the gospel. He himself was facing a bad time at that moment when he writes that. And, uh, you know, it, it, when I was looking at this, I remember Shaul and I visiting uh, Rome two or three years ago. We went there for uh, our 30th wedding anniversary and we were, we were at the Vatican. And as we were uh, going around the Vatican, they explained uh, about uh, why it was called St Peter's and that St that St Peter's body is uh, under the altar in the centre of St Peter's and, and you know we, we kept kind of used to hearing these stories haven't we when we go to tourist places but what they, they pointed out is that uh, a few years ago they'd actually done they, they'd actually uh, look, got to the body they'd done some tests they'd looked at those tests and everything about that, that body is consistent with what we know about the Apostle Peter and the manner of his death. So, you know, we, we have a reality, uh, a body of proof that is there. And uh, so Peter's writing this just before he's martyred in Rome. And what he's writing about is he's writing about what he sees is happening in the churches and that he planted and what he could see coming on all believers. You see, he, he knows that true believers are going to go through some bad times. And some of those bad times just come on everybody. But some of those bad times are going to be a direct reaction to our faith. The, the, the unbelieving world where the enemy is active, does not like our faith. It doesn't understand our faith, can't comprehend our faith. It just thinks people who walk by faith and stand on God's word and put their trust in God are crazy people. But the reality is that God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And that's where we are, isn't it? Amen. Amen. You know, um, what was starting to happen here is that um, although it wasn't of its full effect and certainly was uh, very minimal in Rome at this time, Nero had started to turn his persecution on the churches. And one of the early targets of this persecution was these churches in Turkey, in these provinces of the Roman Empire, these churches in Turkey that Peter had planted. So these churches, they, they are getting hit at the front line. They are, they are the, 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 the first sort of in the first areas that are starting to face this intense persecution that Nero brought on the Roman church. So Peter's writing this, seeing these churches that he loves, that are very precious to him, getting hit hard by the persecution and realising that that is going to come right across all the churches 
in, in the Roman Empire. And the reason for that persecution is that, um, you know, Nero, uh, he wasn't a good leader. He wasn't a good Caesar. Uh, you know, we, we know that, don't we, from ourselves, just the image we have of him. But rather than own up to his own mistakes, rather than own up to his own mismanagement, what he did is instead of that, he tried to shift the blame and blame somebody else. And the, and, and the group he, he chose to blame were the Christians. And that's why the persecution of the believers started. It wasn't directly uh, related to the fact that they were preaching the gospel or anything. It was directly related to the fact that they were Christians and they were the scapegoat for his failures and so this persecution comes on this church and that you know when something like that hits you when 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 things uh, are challenging when you 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 are not able to meet because you fear for your life and and so on it raises this question doesn't it is there any good news for those bad times what do we do how does this work how does this all fit together so when we look at this, and, and what I just want to focus on today is this statement, and I want you to have a think about this statement, because Peter is going to give us some answers. And if you're anything like me, you're going to discover that the answers we get, the answers we receive, the answers we need, and not always the answers we want. Let me say that again. These answers that you're going to hear may not be the answers that you want to hear at this time, but they are the answers that you need to hear and act on. And that's interesting, isn't it? You know, I think one of the things that we can maybe starting to recognise in the body of Christ at, at this moment we, we find ourselves in is that Maybe this is a wake-up call to us. Maybe some of the things we've taken for granted, some of the things that we've uh, fallen into, some of the, the ideas that we've had, some of the motivations that we've had, maybe we need to refocus, reassess, and start again. And Peter's speaking into that very sort of situation. He's saying, guys, I know you want to hear this, but this is what you need to hear. And, and so he says, right, okay, here's how this works. Bad times can come upon even the most devoted of Christians. And when they do, there's a certain thing you need to do. And that is to draw close as the body of Christ. Because you need to recognise you're in this together. And that's really important for us at the moment, isn't it? Because that tells us that we uh, must resist slipping into a, a, this way of life of being detached, being unconnected, not connecting to the rest of our faith life family. It's so important that we stay connected. I know I keep saying that, I know it gets it, you know, I've I probably said it hundreds of times now. The reason is it's important that we walk this together, we stay together and we stay connected. And if we don't stay connected, the enemy will see us as vulnerable and he will try and pick us off. So that's, a, that's kind of a positive action we can take. And Peter now turns it, turns it around, and I'm going to read you some verses in, in a short moment, but I just wanted to set the scene. But what Peter's going to do, and he's going to turn it around, and he's saying the, 
the answers you most need are not to say this is all going to get taken away, life's going to be fine and, and, and God's going to make you all comfortable. That's not the answers that you need because they're not the real answers. The answer that you need is how to walk in the spiritual realities of your faith that will take you through this time. How to walk in the spiritual realities of your faith that will take you through this time. And I'll just set it up for you. He's going to make some statements. I, I, you know, I've got them noted down just in, in the margin of my Bible here. This is what he's going to say. He's going to say that we are pilgrims and strangers on our way to an eternal home. Secondly, he's going to say that it's far more important that we are ready for that eternal home than that we achieve comfort and ease here. And the third thing he's going to say is that uh, our character, our conduct and witness to the truth achieve more lasting good than programmes of social welfare. Now, what, what, do you, what do I mean by that? Well, when I'll, I'll open that up to you uh, over the next few weeks. But really, what, what Pete is going to say is that Christianity is more about individuals responding from the heart of God and the spirit within them than it is from an organised corporate response. And that might... That might not seem like the answer that, that we want because we've got, I think, in, into a mentality, a way of thinking, well, there's a need. I've seen a need. So what is the church going to do about it? There's a problem here. I've encountered this problem with this person. So what is the church going to do to fix it? And Peter said, it, the gospel does not work like that. The church is a reflection of the individual responsibilities that people take. So what, one of the things he's going to urge them to do is to recognise that as individuals, we are sojourners, we're aliens, we're pilgrims in, in a foreign kingdom, carrying the kingdom of God, and we carry that. And our response, whilst collectively it may be powerful, it is even more powerful by mobilising and responding and taking responsibilities for the needs we see in front of us as individuals. And the last, so basically what he's saying is, well, you know, the aim isn't that the church organises a social care programme here and replaces social security and all the rest of it. The aim is that as individuals, our hearts are softened so that we respond to the one in front of us. And then he says that the best news possible is this, that God is able to use the, the bad times in order to turn them for the good of those who love him. I know, and, and in that sense, he, you know, I, I've used Pete, uh, Paul's words there, but P Peter's going to allude to this, those same sort of conclusions. And the final thing he's going to say is that God gives us and has already provided the grace to go through and overcome and come out the other side of the bad times. And that's so important, isn't it? We already have what we need. So, right, let's go to, let's start to, to read the book with that sort of introduction. And we, I, I'll be honest with you, we're not going to get very far today. Later weeks, we'll, we'll whiz through it quite quickly. But today I'm just going to concentrate on the first uh, couple of verses. So let's read them. 
Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. So, you know, these, these believers that he's writing to, uh, they're former Gentiles. They're, they're from a pagan background. These aren't, uh, you know, Paul had this method of going first to the Jews, but Peter here, he'd gone direct and he'd led a number of people from pagan backgrounds, Gentiles, to Christ. And, and that's where these, these churches had been formed from. These are people that don't have a Jewish history. And these people, these believers, for the first time since they became Christians, are facing trouble and hardship in their life. Troubles come into their life. Now, why is that interesting? Well, what we, what we know from the history books and we know from uh, the text itself and, and what we, we, we understand happened here, what happened is these believers, when they first heard the message about Jesus, when they first heard the message of salvation, uh, they welcomed that message of Jesus and they delighted in it and they became Christians and they, they had this, this hope that was burning in them. And uh, the, the, the churches having been planted, they were growing steadily in faith, new converts were coming in, new people were joining, those who were there were being discipled, they were growing, they were learning, and things were going along really well. You know, they, they, they met regularly following the apostles' pattern, they met regularly for, for teaching, they met regularly for prayer and for fellowship. And the, everything was going really well. The church was growing, the people were growing, they were seeing God move, there was the power of God uh, evident in their midst, there were witnesses, the Holy Spirit was there, everything was going great. Their lives were really, uh, you know, much better than they had been when they were pagans, they had this joy, they had this hope, and all of a sudden trouble comes absolutely from nowhere, unexpected, suddenly persecution begins because Nero singled out this group of churches to be persecuted and blamed for the problems that he himself had been making. And believers started being tortured, uh, they started being put to death and the governors of this, this region started harassing, oppressing and arresting the believers. And, and it was just such a shock to them. And here's, here's the thing. Here's the reaction. This is what Peter's dealing with. They started to turn around to Peter and go, this is not what we thought we'd bought into. And that's so telling, isn't it? It's so telling in, in our generation where often we, we, we've tried to get people to uh, become believers or join the church or, or whatever by telling them all the great things and how their life will just be all of it completely sorted out, everything will be good, you, you, life will be so much better when they know Jesus. Well, of course life's so much better when we know Jesus. We have hope, we have salvation, we have the power of the Spirit living in us, and that's all true. But sometimes in our eagerness, we've oversold that. We've made that the leading thing. And what we've done is we've created this idea that Christianity is about keeping your life as you know it, only Jesus is going to make it better. And the truth is, as you know from what I've said 
many times before is that Christianity is about giving your life to Jesus and following him. So somehow, just like um, believers can get a, a mixed up message today, they got this mixed up message. And they're turning around to Peter and saying, this is not what we bought into. And, and they write to Peter and they go, okay, well, what, what, what are we supposed to do here? This isn't what we thought we were about. We thought this was all about us just really, you know, having this nice little faith and being comfortable and being successful in our careers and that God had just blessed us as we went along and it's all going to be all right. But Peter, it's not all right. Bad times have come and we, were, we thought we just had good times rolling out, but bad times have come. And then, you know, they wait a while for a response and then they hear that, uh, that Peter, this, this apostle of them, and they, they love deeply too. Uh, the one they're looking to for an answer, they hear, that, and, and rumours start that this letter's come and it's starting to circulate amongst their churches. And finally, it rises with them. And in this letter, Peter gives them four big reminders. He starts with four reminders. So what are those reminders? What, what, what the first things he starts, you know, if you, if you ask this question that Peter was asked, what would you give us an answer? Now just remember what I said before, the answer that we need is not always the answer that we want. And Peter's going to say some things here, why? Because he wants to call them back to God, to look to God as someone, as the one whom, in whom they put their trust. So the first thing he says, now, you know, it's not, uh, it's not, you know, he doesn't say this directly, but you can see this in his first, first couple of verses. The first thing he says is this, you've got good news, guys, you've got good news for bad times. And this good news is for everyone who'll believe. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what your background, this good news is for everyone and we receive it how? By faith. We don't receive it by being religious, we don't receive it by social standing, we, you know, it's, this isn't a gospel for the rich, it's not a gospel just for the poor, it's not a gospel that has divisions between men and women, slave and free, it's not that sort of gospel. This gospel, this good news, is for everyone and it works by faith. That means it's not subject to circumstances because it doesn't work by circumstances. It's not something that only works when things are going good. It's not some sort of uh, management technique that we can put into to operation or a self-help technique that when things are going, the momentum is good, things will be better for us. He's saying this gospel is for absolutely everyone. And, and you know, you can see how they come from this diverse background. Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. They're all sorts of people groups, all sorts of ethnic groups, all sorts of different religious backgrounds. And this gospel has come to them all and it's equally applicable to them all. And this gospel produces one thing, what? One new people of God. From all that diverse background, all the barriers go, all the differences go, all the inequalities go in God's eyes. And we become one new people of God, irrespective of race, colour, culture, gender, whatever. We are one people of God. 
no one better than another and no one worse than another why because we do not access this gospel by our standing we access it by faith in god and and these people that he's talking to they, they came from formerly from small rural villages all across this region uh, and and generally the, the churches that peter planted it was people of no background no great background no social standing no wealth no political clout uh, no financial status, you know, in, in verse 18, I'll just take you down there for, for a little while, obviously we'll do this in the future week, but he says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. These were people that were going in the wrong direction from God. It was aimless, their lives were meaningless, their lives were purposeless, and God redeemed them from it. And he, he sees no distinction between any of them. So the first thing that Peter says is, this faith that you've got, this, this good news that you've got, is going to work for everybody. You're not going to be left out. You're not going to be missed out. Don't let everybody, anybody talk you down. Don't let anybody put you down, because this will work for you just as well as it does for anybody else. The second thing he says, these uh, these these people that he's talking to are the recipients of God's grace which was established at the beginning of time. Now I could go on off on a lengthy talk about this but I'm not going to do that and the reason is obviously time constraints at, at, at this this particular moment but you know when you think about that what's that saying is that God had this idea of grace before any of us were around. Why? Because he's a God of grace, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of love. And that tells us that the provision that we have from God, the grace of God that is ours right now, is not based on our merit. But it's based on the decision of God to give it to us, to provide it for us, for Christ to pay for us. And so we can't earn uh, we can't pay for and we can't get God's provision for this time by our worldly efforts. It's faith alone in what Christ has done alone. And God is the initiator. God is the one who gives us. God is the one who loves us. And God gives us grace as a free gift for everyone to receive by faith. So that's the second thing Peter says. What's the third thing? The third thing he says is I want to remind you guys why this seems so difficult for you. I want you to understand that the, the thing that you might have forgot that I told you about before, and this is how he puts it. To the sojourners, to the pilgrims, to the aliens, that, 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 that word that we're looking at there. He's saying that, guys, the reason you're finding this so difficult, the reason you're finding the world around you so difficult, the reason you can't understand how all this is happening in, in, in different nations and different places is that you are aliens in this world. And because you are aliens in this world, because you are sojourners in this world, because you are pilgrims in this world, you can't expect this world to be a bed of roses. And even if it was a bed of roses, roses have thorns. So he's reminding them that the difficulty they're experiencing is they are in this world, but not of this world. 
And you know, so often we can we can feel, can't we, as Christians, like, I just don't fit, I just cannot get my head around what's going on. I don't know how to deal with all these arguments. I, there's all this stuff that people are saying, and they're saying that's right, and this is right, and that's right. And, and God says it's not right, so, and I don't know how to handle any of it. And, and we can get so kind of stuck on that. And Peter said, the reason you are like that is not because you're failing, not because you're useless at this thing. The reason you're failing, uh, not, not, not being able to get your head around that and not feeling comfortable, not feeling like you're fit, not feeling like everything's going your way, is because you're an alien, you're a sojourner, you're a pilgrim in this world. You see, what he's saying is that our relationship is, the, the word it doesn't come out so well in the New King James, but in, in the older version, it uses this word sojourner. And that's a, a translation of the Greek word parapidemos. I'll, I'll, I'll try and say that again, parapidemos. And uh, in, in the original language, what that meant is to sojourn in a strange place, to reside in an alien country. And it was literally... This idea of somebody passing through somewhere, staying for a little while, where they had a few relationships and built a few relationships around them, but that was a temporary place before they took up permanent residence somewhere else. And that's the idea that he's talking about here. We live in this life as a temporary residence with our relationships around us before we take up permanent residence somewhere else. So our relationship, our primary relationship, our permanent relationship we keep our eyes on is not our relationship with the world. The primary relationship, the primary way he's, he's advising to think is, guys, you are uh, now citizens of another kingdom. And that's where your allegiance is. That's where your affections to be. And that's why you feel like a fish out of water, like this work, this thing's not panning out like you thought it was going to pan out. Um, and you live in a kingdom that deals daily with the kingdom of the enemy. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness exist co-terminally. Co uh, um, co uh, they they exist and you are a light bringer into the kingdom of darkness and as, as a result of that you can't expect to feel comfortable there's kickback there's difficulties and there's enemy activity and, and life is what you're experiencing now is temporary but the permanent is to come and the permanent is where your hope is you know um how do we how do we live in that well what he's saying is this that because you're a sojourner, because you're an alien, because you're a pilgrim, the, the, the way that God has provided for us to deal in that is, is through the power of the Holy Spirit that he's given us and the inheritance that Jesus paid for and we receive by faith. And we live the way that, that kingdom power gets released and the way that inheritance gets used is we live for a different cause than the cause of this world. And that is the cause of the kingdom. And that's why things just don't fit in our heads. That's why this, all, all of this feels so difficult, so uncomfortable, like, you know, and we're thinking, how does this work? And, and what Peter's saying is, you are going to feel like that. And that's normal. Because you were an alien in this world. You were sojourner in this world. Uh, Philippians 3 puts it uh, really, really well. 
And this is what Philippians 3 says. Uh, Philippians 3 verse 20. For our citizenship is where? In heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. You know, no matter how tired we feel, no matter how sick we feel, how painful things are, we get a new body. We get a glorious body when Jesus comes again. We have, we have uh, the, the fullness of the glory of heaven to step into. And, and that, is our, that is our hope, that is our joy, that keeps us pointing in the right direction. And Peter, in, in, in his letter, is saying, get your eyes on that, that you have this inheritance. According to, the, what, carry on with what Paul said in Philippians, conform to his glorious body, according to the, the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. You know, I just think here about those words, pilgrims. It's like, you know, we are walking by faith through a hostile foreign territory. That's the reality of our faith. That's what Peter's saying. That, that might not be the answer you want to hear, but that's the answer you need to be he hearing. Then he used the right tools to fight, the grace of God, the power of the Spirit, the, the inheritance he's given you. But also you put your hope right in, in the right place, and that is the permanent hope that we have of eternal life with Christ in heaven full of joy, full of glory, full of peace, no pain, no hurt, no crying. And Peter said, that's what, what this gospel is, is pointing you to. Use what you have now, the grace of God, to overcome the bad times, but also look with joy towards a permanent change in the future. That These bad times don't go on forever. This life doesn't go on forever. This pain doesn't go on forever. There is joy eternal, glory eternal ahead. And that's what he's reminding them of. You do not belong here. And that's why this life seems so difficult. You know, that's why this, the, the, the values that we see reflected in the news and on TV and in TV programmes, they seem so difficult to us. They seem so at odds with how we feel and how we respond. They seem so to, to kind of great. So this, this, this whole thing that Peter's saying here, it, it, it speaks to us today for, you know, we've been called, we are, we are elect to come to the fallenness of God in sanctification of spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. So one, one final thing then, you know, so Peter said, so how do you respond to these bad times? And he said, well, in the light of what I've just told you, this is your response. Be faithful, be courageous, and don't slip into the goals and measures of success and acceptance standards that the world uses, because you're not part of the world. Be faithful, be courageous and don't allow yourself to slip over here and refocus and redesign your Christianity according to the goals, the acceptance status and the measures of success that the world uses. Why? Why? Because you're different. Because you don't fit with that. You are a saint. Peter calls us a saint. Um, what does that mean? Well, as a saint, how can, how can I put this? Let me... Uh, just 
just go back here. Um, that word he's using there, when it, when it talks about sanctification, that word is uh, a Greek word, hagiasmos. And what it means is that to, it, we often translate it as holy, but uh, holy in this sense means to be set apart or separated out for God. And that starts the moment you become a Christian. You are separated out from this world to God. And that's what Peter says makes you a saint. Not because you've done a few miracles or you, you observed all this stuff from the church or you rose to prominence in this religious institution or whatever. That's not what makes you a saint. What makes you a saint is the fact that Jesus has set you apart and he has made you his own. And, you know, when, when he talks about this, he talks about this as something that has already happened to you. So when you first believe this happened to you, you my friend, are a saint in the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, that's, that in itself is incredible. But it's also not an end in itself. What were you set apart for? What were you separated out for? And Peter tells you, you separated out for obedience. Obedience to what? Well, just don't make this leap. It's not obedience to a set of rules. It's not obedience to a set of religious traditions. It's not obedience to some sort of church, religious church culture. It's not obedience in any of those sort of ways. What is it obedience to? The call of Jesus on your life when he said, follow me. It's obedience to follow Jesus, to follow the voice of God and to live your life, putting your trust in God and in the word of God. And that's the radical heart of the gospel that Peter grasps and he's asking these to grasp. He's saying, yeah, that might not be what you want to hear. But right now, how do you respond to these bad times? What's the good news? The good news is you're a saint. You're saved. You're separated out for Jesus. And Jesus right now is calling you to follow him in whatever you face. And he's going to be showing you the way. He's given you his spirit. The spirit is your comforter. He's your counsellor. He's your wisdom. He's going to lead you. He's going to show you the path to take. He's going to show you the steps to take. And that is the way we move ahead. That is the way we respond with good news in bad times. Why? Because we have been made to be a different type of person. You know, one of the things that, you know, people will come up with, you know, is that, well, you know, you've got this fault, you've got that fault, you've got that fault. Well, yeah, I'm not the finished article. None of us are yet the finished article and nor will we be till we see Christ again. But he's made provision, not just for our successes, but our failures. He's made provision, not just for the good times, but the bad times. And we're on this pilgrimage. And as we take this pilgrimage through this foreign land where everything is going poo and everything is not how we wanted it and church isn't how we wanted it and our lives aren't quite turning out as we'd wanted. Peter says, but this is what you need to hear. You are being transformed into the likeness of Christ from glory to glory and you have a mission and a purpose and a value in this life and for all eternity. You know, I think the challenge to us is that in these bad times it's so easy to forget who we are. And I, and I think it's this confusion about who we are and what we are called to, to, to be and the character that we're called to have. I think it's this confusion 
that makes these bad times so difficult and worse than, 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 than they should be. You see, the good news for bad times is the good news for everyone that Jesus gave himself for you so that you could have him and live with him in glory forever. That is our hope. Right here now, we have his grace, we have the power of the Spirit in us, we have the wisdom of God, the counsel of God, the comfort of God, the strength of God through the Holy Spirit to take us through these bad times and out the other side. But while we're in them, what do we do? We remember where our destiny is to be with him forever. Amen. Well, hopefully that's an encouraging start. It might, as I said, the answers that we need are not necessarily the answers that we want, but they are the right answers. And that's why Peter wrote this letter. And that's what I'm going to unpack in future weeks. But if you, if you don't know Jesus, if you've uh, never met him, or you're one of those people I talked about who kind of slipped away and got yourself out on the periphery, uh, got yourself disconnected from Jesus, got yourself disconnected from other believers. I want to pray for you right now. And if you don't know Jesus, I'm asking you to pray this prayer. It's a prayer of commitment. If you, you're one of those who slipped away, I'm asking you just to return to him now and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect. I'm going to connect with his body, but I'm going to connect with Jesus himself. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to be somebody who follows him. So Father, say this prayer after me. Father, I ask you to forgive me for everything I've done wrong, for how I kind of slipped away from you, how I've not followed you, how I've prioritised myself and my comfort ahead of your purpose for me. I ask you to forgive me. I thank you, Jesus, that you are my saviour. And I ask now to receive new birth through your Holy Spirit living in me a new creation. Thank you. In Jesus' name. I receive it. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can message us on Facebook or you can, uh, like several people have done in, in recent months, you can email at the office, office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. We'll get some resource to you. We'll talk to you. We'll help you in whatever way we can. But most of all, we'll celebrate with you in joy uh, that you've taken these steps today. So, so I just... Uh, want to finish this morning by saying to all of you that Cheryl and I are, are we, we're missing you we're going to come through this this isn't this isn't a forever thing it's a it's a thing that we just have to get through that there's good news for these difficult times and I pray blessing and favor and life on everyone in our faith life family and everyone who hears this message in Jesus name amen so be blessed, have a good week uh, to the extent that you can and keep your eyes on the hope that is yours 
and what Christ has done for you. Amen. Goodbye, Faith Life.